this uh, this evening, uh, you know, I uh, I want to offer, okay, because I know that there are, I know there's at least two people in here that have not had the opportunity to add their rocks to to the Ebenezer. Um, so, uh, you know. I'm going to call them out, Grady and Violet. I know that y'all missed that service, and y'all mean a lot to this church. And I know that y'all have dates where God has moved mightily in your lives, and that is what this Ebenezer is about. It's us letting God know that we understand that we see it, but it's also allowing the other people around us to be able to know and to be able to see that God is at work, has been at work, and will always be at work in our lives. Uh, you know, so there's a bag that's on the table out there in the foyer that David brought. Um, unless you want to go rock hunting with me again, we can go rock hunting again. And, uh, you know, but I would love for you and Violet to be able to put dates and messages on that rock. Uh, you know, for, uh, you know, for this, you know, um, so I wanted to open up and, and make sure that y'all understood that that was available, but I said this morning that we are building our Ebenezer, uh, you know, this will stay here, I don't know if it's going to stay all year long, or uh, it's going to stay here, and as God continues to move, we will continue to put things on rocks and continue to add to that. Because just like I said, he is still at work and he will always be at work uh, you know, in our lives as long as we allow him to do that. Uh, you know, and as long as I am pastor of Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene, he will be free for his spirit and him to move in any way that he would want to move. Uh, you know, and this morning, uh, you know... Um, it's really kind of funny because Booger said, uh, you know, afterwards that, uh, you know, that I need to start some calisthenics, uh, you know, because if I was wore out in that message, uh, you know, I, I really need to work, you know, work it, you know, to kind of get it up. But I don't know if, I, I know y'all don't realize this, but Monday, whenever I read that passage of scripture in Isaiah 55 about being invited into the presence of God. That is the moment that God began to work on that message. So whenever I say that I was tired this morning, it's because at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock last night and I was still working and writing this message and still hashing over this message and making sure that this particular message that was given, that it was not my words, but that we can all go back, we can go back to everything that was said this morning, and it's in Scripture. This was God's Word, and this is God's Word to us. So tonight, I, I want to continue, and I want us to continue to look at this, uh, you know, and in John chapter 14, I will allow y'all to turn to John chapter 14. I do not have any slides for tonight, 
Um, I was actually kind of hoping that I would take it easy, but so far it's not going to be that way. Uh, you know, we're going to move on into this and we're going to see exactly what we have here. Uh, you know, whenever we look into John chapter 14, the very first part we have here that, uh, you know, is a subtitle to this particular chapter, uh, it says, Jesus is the way to the Father. Uh, you know, so we look and we can see it that, that Jesus is giving us this path for us to be saved and to have salvation that, uh, you know, that is so freely given to us that we talked about this morning that it is given to the ones that are thirsty, the ones that are broken, but it also is given to the ones and offered to the ones that feel that they can still work and that they still have the ability to do the things in their lives, that we are self-sufficient, that I can handle this. So it's for everyone. So the salvation that is offered to us is offered to every one of us. But then we go to verse 15. And verse 15 says, if you love me, obey. If you love me, obey my commandments. So I want you to know tonight as your, as your pastor, regardless of how the message this morning came over and came about, I want you to know that it came out of the depths of the love of my heart for you. Because that message, although it brought out and it really talked about sin and it told us that if we are still living in sin that there is a time and there does come a point in time that God will require a uh, you know there is a punishment for that sin so to kind of help us with this let's look throughout scripture because whenever we look into the Old Testament and we see all of these things through the Old Testament, we find that the Israelites were in captivity and they were in slavery with the Egyptians. And in the slavery and while they were enslaved with the, you know, by the Egyptians, God multiplied them and he blessed them. But how did they get there? How did they get into the captivity of the Israelites? Well, the Israelite, how did the Israelites get into captivity by the Egyptians? You remember there was a famine. You remember? Story of Joseph? Joseph's brothers? The 12 tribes, they disliked their brother, so they sold him off into slavery. God had a better plan because that was the way that God was going to save the Israelites, going to save that family and, and bring them into a mighty nation. God's hand at work. 
And there's some interesting things because whenever we get into the scripture and we look at this and we think about whenever they were in captivity and, you know, now they were in captivity because Joseph had passed away, correct? And the Pharaoh that was over the, you know, that was ruler over them while the, uh, while Joseph was there, he also passed away and the Israelites were growing at such of a great number that they felt that they would overcome them, that the Egyptians felt that the Israelites would overcome the Egyptians, so they had to put them underneath slavery. They had to suppress them so that they would be able to rule over them. And although they suppressed them, they still multiplied. God still blessed them. And then we find that through this, God's hand still being upon his chosen people. That Moses, Moses was miraculously saved. (laughs) Moses was saved by God's hand and by God's guidance. Remember his mother put him into a basket and sent him down the river and the Pharaoh's daughter founding and then Moses's mother was able to raise him God's hand at work his prevenient grace at work so we see how all of this moves and the next thing that we know uh, you know Moses is running for his life and he runs out into the desert and whenever he runs out into the desert uh, you know, he finds this, uh, you know, this priest, uh, you know, Midian, and he's tending sheep for him. And we find that as he's out there with the flocks that this bush begins to burn, but it doesn't burn up. And he goes and he speaks to the bush or he investigates the bush, and God speaks from the bush. I think it's interesting how uh, you know, how Moses gave up so many obstacles on why he shouldn't be the one. But for Moses, Moses' life is, is typical of ours. Because Moses, whenever he went to the bush and God spoke to him from the bush, Moses said, here I am. And the Hebrew words for here I am actually gives us more. And Moses said, here I am, whatever you need of me, I will do. And we do that. We come to this saving knowledge. The Holy Spirit draws us into him and we go in and we investigate and we say, yes, God, whatever you have for me in my life. And then he says, okay, this is what I want you to do. And we're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't think I signed up for that. We, we begin to backtrack, uh, you know, kind of like the lobsters, uh, you know, if you're in Maine or if you're down in the bayou in Louisiana, it's kind of like the crabs, or not the crabs, well, the, yes, the crabs, but the crawfish, backing up, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for that one, but finally Moses does what God wants him to do. And then we find in the scripture, I really think this is really interesting because the scripture tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Why in the world did God harden Pharaoh's heart? 
so that God could show the Israelites how powerful he was. He says, I want you to know that I am the God that created all things. I am who I am. So we see this. He hardened his heart. But I want you to know before Pharaoh died that God gave him the opportunity to accept him as Lord and Savior. He allowed him to see his power and to be able to understand who he was. If you question that, look at Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar spent his, you know, spent the, you know, spent seven years out in the in the in the fields eating the grass like sheep, and it says that until he turned his eyes towards heaven and said, "You are the King of Kings," and then God returned his mind to him to where he was able to understand and to see. God gave every person the opportunity to receive him as his Lord and Savior. Through his power and through all of these things. But see, from there we get this. and Oh man, we have the Tower of Babel. You know, man speaking one language. We're never really all that good. You know, we're always getting into trouble. Uh, you know, so here we are, we're all speaking the same language, we're getting really smart. Uh, you know, so we're like, okay, so what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to build this tower, uh, you know, so that I can get up to heaven, so that I can be like God. Uh, you know, although, you know, here we are, we're speaking the same language and we're smart enough that we can build this mighty tower. God says, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. He brings about multiple languages and he confuses the people. See, we're almost there now. Our scientists think that they're smart enough that they can create humans, uh, you know, that they can do all of these things. Booger, I kind of understand what you're talking about. You know, they studied death, uh, you know, and they could have looked in the scripture and they could have seen that there's a soul, uh, you know, that's a part of this. But, you know, someone got millions and millions of dollars for that that's just like someone gets millions and millions of dollars to study you know to study the night crawler i think the last time that i looked at the you know at that you know the study of the night crawler uh, you know they were up to something like five million dollars in studying the night crawler and they had figured out that the night crawler is nearsighted okay and he can't smell anything that's just what we needed to know right but God's hand is at work in all of this. And throughout all of this, God gives us the opportunity to turn to Him. But through all of this, in that very first part of, chapter, of verse 15, it says, if you love me, if you love me, He says, I love you. I love you so much that I have created and I have moved in this earth and I have designed this earth for you. I created you. I created the trees so that they would give you air to breathe. I created the land so that you could live in this beautiful place. I created you in a specific manner because I love you. I gave you my son 
so that you to live on this earth because I love you. Jesus gave up his life on the cross because he loves us. I think we miss that sometimes. Jesus' life was not taken from him. Jesus gave it up. He gave it up for us because he loves us. says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But then he goes on from there. In verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who will lead you or lead into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives within you and later will be will be in you. I'm going to pull this up closer to me. I'm going to take these glasses off and I'm going to reread this for you. In verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot re- cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the ability to be able to live this life the way that God has for us to live this life. Without the Holy Spirit, we would not be able to live as God has for us to live. We would not be able to obey His commands. We would not be able to love in the manner that he asked us to love. I think, or I, I let me back up, I, I'm, I'm bringing us to this because we are, or we feel, that we are self-sufficient. But we have to have the Holy Spirit in us, leading us, guiding us, directing us, giving us His power 
to be able to overcome the things of the world. I'm not one to generate or to try to generate this fuzzy feeling. But there are times that we have to sit still and we have to allow the Holy Spirit to move. How many of you, you know, and I know this is going to kind of sound, it's kind of sound funny, but uh, you know, how many of you remember the the old timey, uh, you know, Nazarene camps or holiness camps, where the altar would be open at the end of the service, not just for two or three courses of a song, but for two or three hours. Do y'all remember those? Have y'all ever experienced those? So I'll tell you a little story about me. It, it's surprise, surprise. I think the best stories is things that we experience. So I've told y'all the story about me meeting Peggy and about all of that that went on. But the first year that I was able to go to New Jersey and experience PVG or Pine View Grove Camp, wow, that was life-changing. There was a gentleman, Dr. Henry Schilling, that was the evangelist, and he was in a wheelchair. And he preached a message on sanctification and being entirely filled of the Holy Spirit. And me as a Southern Baptist boy from Louisiana, just a tad confused. And at the end of that message, the light bulb came on. And I was like, wow. So that's why I've been struggling so much. Because I haven't asked the Holy Spirit to fill me and to guide and to direct my life. After all, I was a 20-year-old that was self-sufficient. I could do this. Mm. I ran to the altar. And it was one of those rickety altars that wobbled. So whenever I hit the altar, it wobbled, and I kind of wobbled with it, and tears just pouring down. Reverend Henry Schilling, in his wheelchair, came over around the backside of that altar, placed his hands on my shoulder, and began to talk to me. And asked me what was going on. And I told him about my struggles with sin. And how I wanted to be sanctified. And I wanted the Spirit to fill me through and through. Mm. That was a mistake. That man got all excited. 
Now he's, he's paralyzed from the waist down. So he was bent over in that wheelchair and his chest was touching his legs. I'd never seen anybody that flexible. He began to beat on my back. And he began to say, pray through, son, pray through. And I looked up and he goes, you're not ready yet. Pray through, pray through. Banging on my back. I was like, man, I'm like, you're going you're gonna to bang me into submission. Whatever it takes, because we're in too much of a hurry to move on. We're in too much of a hurry once we get that little tingling on the back of our neck. To say, oh man, how the Holy Spirit sort of moved. Until you feel the hair on the top of your head in this little bald spot stand up. And you feel it come down through your body. And then the hair on your toes begin to stand up. That's when you've allowed the Spirit to move. That's when the Spirit has the ability and the opportunity. To begin to change our spots. And begin to graft us into the tree of righteousness. Whenever I finally got up. There had to be 10, 15 older gentlemen. Standing right there, ready for a hug. Telling me they were going to pray for me. Not a one of them. Not a one of them. Told me that now I need to begin to tithe. Not a one of them crammed a Bible in my face and said, you've got to study this. Not a one of them. Not a one of them told me that I needed to begin to pray for an hour every single day. Every one of them said that I love you and I'm going to be praying for you. Every one of them gave me a big hug. And I knew that those words of love was genuine and was true. Because they knew that God was at work. And they knew that God being at work in my life was better than anything. That they could say. At that point. In time. Now the next year. Whenever I showed up. Oh boy. You better believe. There were questions about my. Devotional life. There was questions about my walk. 
with Christ. We have to allow God to work. So we have to allow God to work in our lives. But we also have to allow God to work in other people's lives. So, if tithing is keeping you from a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, tithing doesn't get you to heaven. Tithing doesn't keep you from going to heaven. What keeps you from going to heaven is not believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If not being able to pray for an hour is keeping you from a commitment to Jesus Christ, that's no reason. He wants us to submit to Him. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And then he says, my father, if you do this, my father will send you an applicant. He will send you a helper. He will send you a counselor. He will send you a provider that will come and live within you. That will help you to obey his commands. So that whenever that perverted thought comes into your mind and you submit it unto God, it's a thought. It's not a sin. We act upon it, it becomes a sin. It's when we don't act upon it. That's the problem. So Kelly and Susan has done a great job with singing and you know with the songs that they chose. So now I'm going to go to Robbie. Oh, there he is. He was over here. Robbie, I know he loves to play the piano. So, is that clock right? I'm going to. Well, I was thinking that we hadn't been here long enough, but I, because see, this is this is where we are. We're going to sit in complete silence with Robbie playing the piano. 
So that wouldn't be complete silence. But we're going we're gonna to sit here and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit, because he's here, we're going to allow him to come in and to move in our lives. If you like the tingly feeling, let it start at the top of your head. For us men that are losing the hair up there, it's, you know, it's fine hair, so it doesn't take much to stand up. But tonight, we're going to allow the Spirit to move. Because I believe there's still some lives here that still needs to be transformed or continue to being transformed. But we have become self-sufficient. And instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to move and to change, we're the ones trying to do it. We're the ones that's taking that problem by the horn instead of allowing God to do it. We're the ones that's taking that flaw or that temptation that we constantly struggle with. And we're the ones trying to fight that battle instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to fight that battle. After all, it's not ours to fight. It's His. So the altar is open. If you would like to come to the altar and kneel with me, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit down up here. Just allow the Spirit to move.